the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider. At the end of a month that seems longer than usual to so many people, especially those participating in, reporting on, or even reading about the Synod on Synodality that began October 4th. Now, this, of course, was preceded by a retreat and ends this Sunday. The final document for the 2023 Synod, it meets again October 2024, comes out Saturday. I'll get to the news in a minute, but first want to tell you about my guest in the interview segment, Father Robert Sirico, co-founder and president emeritus of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. Father is a prolific author, sought-after speaker, and a good friend. And this week, we talk about the late Cardinal George Pell and the Synod on Synodality, as presented in Father's just-released book, Pell Contra Mundum. Now, contra mundum is an expression that describes a person with a steadfast commitment to one's values and the courage to go against the prevailing norms or majority consensus. This is an eye-opening conversation. Now, a look at the week's news highlights. Sunday, October 22nd. Speaking after the Angelus Prayer, Pope Francis expressed his concern and grief over what is happening in Israel and Palestine. I am very concerned, grieved. I pray and I'm close to all those who are suffering, the hostages, the wounded, the victims, and their families. The Pope said he's very concerned over the serious humanitarian situation in Gaza. He said he was saddened that the Anglican hospital and the Greek Orthodox parish were hit in the violence of recent days. I renew my appeal for spaces to be opened, for humanitarian aid to continue to arrive, and for hostages to be freed. War, any war there is in the world, I'm also thinking of martyred Ukraine, is a defeat. War always is a defeat. It's the destruction of human fraternity. Brothers, stop it. Stop. Sunday afternoon, Pope Francis phoned U.S. President Joe Biden. The press office said the conversation lasted about 20 minutes, and the Pope and the President spoke about situations of conflict in the world and the need to identify paths to peace. Monday, October 23rd, a quiet day dedicated to the continuing work of the Synod on Synodality, whose assembly ends Sunday, October 29th, with the concluding Mass. Tuesday, October 24th, another full day of Synod work in the Paul VI Hall. Also Tuesday, Pope Francis approved a decree regarding a miracle attributed to the intercession of Argentine Blessed Maria Antonia of St. Joseph, known as Mama Antula. She founded the House for Spiritual Exercises in Buenos Aires, Argentina, where she died March 7, 1799. After the Jesuits were expelled from the country, she went from town to town in the poor regions of northeastern Argentina, promoting retreats in the Ignatian tradition. In only eight years, she managed to offer retreats to 70,000 people. Wednesday, October 25th, during his weekly general audience, Pope Francis continued his catechesis on people who have embodied apostolic zeal. He reflected on the co-patrons of Europe, Byzantine missionaries and brothers, Saints Cyril and Methodius, 
also known as the Apostles of the Slavs. He recalled their great work, after studying the local people's culture, to proclaim and enculturate the Word of God among the Slavic peoples. He spoke of Cyril's work to develop the Cyrillic alphabet, as they did not have one, and this made it possible to preach God's Word and to celebrate the Divine Liturgy in the language of the people. Francis said their legacy can inspire a renewed commitment to peace, converting hearts, and fraternity. After the catechesis, the Holy Father said, I am always thinking of the grave situation in Palestine and Israel. I encourage the release of hostages and the entry of humanitarian aid into Gaza. He then invited the faithful to join him in praying for peace on Friday, October 27th. Before leading the general audience in St. Peter's Square, Pope Francis received a delegation from the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., The group thanked him for opening the Vatican archives that document the activities of Pope Pius XII during World War II. They gave the Pope an open letter written by Holocaust survivors condemning the attacks on Jewish people by Hamas and calling for the world to recognize that this was the worst attack on the Jewish people since the Holocaust. Wednesday afternoon in the Synod Hall, Pope Francis addressed the assembly, describing the Church as God's faithful people infallible in believing. I like to think of the church as this simple and humble people who walk in the presence of the Lord. This is the religious meaning of our faithful people. And I say faithful people so as not to fall into the many ideological approaches and schemes with which the reality of the people of God is reduced. Simply faithful people are also God's holy faithful people on the way, saint and sinner, And this is the church, said the Pope. Now here's a really interesting synod story. Wyatt Olivius, a 19-year-old student at the University of Wyoming and the youngest participant in the synod, asked Pope Francis to sign a letter requesting he be excused from classes in order to rest after four weeks of work at the Synod General Assembly. Wyatt is a missionary at the Catholic Youth Program Totus Tuus and a catechist in his home diocese of Cheyenne. Due to leave Rome on Monday, October 30th, his schedule called for him to be in a class Tuesday morning after a 13-hour flight to Wyoming. He drafted a letter, explained his predicament to the Pope, who then signed the English-language letter in his small, handwritten name, Francis. Thursday, October 26th, the Vatican released the Pope's message to the 8th Migration Festival in Modena, northern Italy, in which he invites church leaders and politicians to propose paths for safe legal migration while caring for people on the move. Pope Francis noted that the theme, Free to Leave, Free to Stay, draws on his own 2023 message for the 109th World Day of Migrants and Refuge, and that theme was Free to Choose Whether to Migrate or to Stay. Also Thursday, Holy See Press Office Director Matteo Bruni confirmed that Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan spoke on the phone with Pope Francis on Thursday morning. In the call requested by President Erdogan, the two leaders discussed the dramatic situation in the Holy Land. The Pope expressed his sorrow for what is happening and he recalled the Holy See's position, voicing his hopes that a two-state solution and a special statute for the city of Jerusalem could be reached. Friday, October 27th. 
the Holy See Press Office released the following statement. In September, the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors brought to the Pope's attention that there were serious problems in the handling of the Father Marco Rupnik case and a lack of outreach to victims. Consequently, the Holy Father asked the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith to review the case, and he decided to lift the statute of limitations to allow a process to take place. The Pope is firmly convinced that if there is one thing the Church must learn from the Synod, it is to listen attentively and compassionately to those who are suffering, especially those who feel marginalized from the Church. Friday at 6 p.m., presided over by Pope Francis, there was an hour of prayer for peace in the world. Well, those are the news highlights of the week, but stay right here for my conversation with Father Robert Sirico about his book, Pell Contra Mundum. Hi, this is Mike Aquilina with a few words about St. Athanasius. St. Athanasius really embodies holy intransigence. I think from Athanasius we learn a certain kind of holy stubbornness. We learn how to doggedly stand by the faith in our own time when it faces new challenges. We've got to be there to stand up for it, even if it means you against the world. This is what we're called to do in our time. EWTN's Religious Catalog has terrific suggestions for Christmas gifts. The Prayer Book for Tired Parents, Practical Ways to Grow in Love of God and Get Your Family to Heaven by David and Debbie Cowden will help you develop a home brimming with love, peace, and faith that will help your family become the saints God made you to be. The Prayer Book for Tired Parents is one of many great Christmas gifts from EWTN Religious Catalog. For more, visit EWTNRC.com today. Prayer is powerful because it's prayer. It's not powerful because it alters the universe in the way we want. God's a lot smarter than that. He says to pray because it has power. Now, whether it turns out the way we want is not an indicator of the particular power of prayer. It is powerful because it is. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, I want to welcome my listeners to another new and very exciting edition of Vatican Insider, especially because my guest this week is a good friend, Father Robert Sirico. He's co-founder and president emeritus of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. He's a prolific author, as I'm sure a lot of you know, a sought-after speaker, and, as I said, a good friend. So, Father Sirico, welcome to Vatican Insider. I'm so glad to be with you, especially here in Rome. Well, especially because you have a very important message. I'm delighted. We've seen each other a lot in America. We've been on Raymond Arroyo's show Mm -hmm. a few times and other things. But this is so exciting because uh, there's an amazing book that we have to talk about that came out purposely that you put together for the Synod entitled Pell Contra Mundum. We'll look at the title in a minute. And, of course, we're talking about the giant friend that we lost, that the church lost, and that the world lost on January 10th of this year, and that's Australian Cardinal George Pell. 
he was a giant in stature, six foot yes, four, he was. as well as in his unwavering faith, his towering intellect, his great heart and soul. So now, Father, here's what you wrote at the very beginning, saying basically why you put this book out. The unexpected death of Cardinal George Pell devastated virtually the entire Catholic world, and indeed many outside it. The Cardinal's larger-than-life personality, his clear and convivial articulation of Catholic belief, and his decency in encounters with interlocutors deepened for many the pain of his loss. In the days following his entrance into eternity, coming as it did so abruptly, and at a time of dizzying debates in the Catholic Church, some of his friends who share the Cardinal's concerns about the confusion of too many of his brothers became all the more committed to bringing others into that conversation. So that conversation really is, some of those people are in this book. Yes. You have Cardinal um, Gracias, Oswald Gracias of Bombay. Who wrote uh, the introduction. Who wrote the, the introduction. Yes. And obviously you had Danny Casey, whom I met yes. um, in, years ago during, um, I think it was the Jubilee of 2000, mm-hmm. where a big contingent came from Sydney for, right. for that Jubilee. And so Danny Casey, uh, when as a matter of fact, he's the chief operating officer, um, uh, business manager in the Archdiocese of Sydney. And, and, and he worked with Cardinal Pell oh, here in the Rome. economy secretariat, exactly. which is why we wanted to have that perspective in the book. Oh, exactly, exactly. So he was living and working here. And then, of course, obviously, George Weigel wrote a, a piece. Now, for me, importantly, this wonderful book, so readable, so riveting, is in four languages. Yes. And why did you decide to do that? Well, we thought it was important that the cardinals especially, because prior to the release of the book, we sent it to every cardinal in the world and the archbishops of the world. We thought it was better to put it all in four languages in one book so that, in essence, Cardinal Pell could be the silent father of the Synod, in the way that Cardinal Newman, and maybe we'll come to talk about that a little bit, uh, was the silent father at the Second Vatican Council. We wanted to make sure that Pell's concerns, especially in the last days of his life, were raised and discussed here at the Synod. Oh, absolutely. His his input would have been so massive. And even as a retired cardinal living in Rome, um, even though he was retired, he was probably one of the most listened persons to in the Eternal City. Great, great deal of credibility and respect for him, especially respect for him having endured what he endured, what Cardinal Gracias calls the introduction, his white martyrdom. Exactly. uh, The unjust uh, uh, conviction until the Supreme Court of Australia overturned it um, and declared him innocent. Uh, for things that he never did, and there was no evidence that he had ever done it. And, and uh, any of us who knew him knew he couldn't uh, have done it. You know, and that's the yeah. remarkable thing. You think uh, a person like that might you might have people saying, "Well, maybe not." Not in Rome. Not among people who knew him. People who just read the Australian press might be confused, but people who knew Cardinal Pell knew this is completely implausible. Exactly. Now, before I, I go into some. Uh, parts of the book, certainly what you wrote and and what the Cardinal wrote, and especially about the Synod, which is ongoing. Tell us how you chose the title. Well, as I was writing the chapter, which was really a tribute to Cardinal Pell, that's how it began, um, it became very obvious to me as I searched my, my brain historically, where have great leaders stood up against um, 
the kind of massive assumptions uh, uh, that that we see presently. And it was during the Council of Nicaea and the debate over the divinity of Christ in that case. Right. A very definitional aspect of the dogma of the faith. And because of Athanasius's tenaciousness, he was exiled twice. Perhaps your listeners might not realize that almost all the bishops of the world went along with the Arian heresy initially. Uh, Jerome said he woke up one morning to find all the world Arian. And uh, Athanasius kept pushing it. And the title he acquired for himself uh, was... Athanasius contra mundum. And so I thought that's... Against the world or against the world. world. Yeah, Uh, yeah. in other words, I'm outnumbered, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Well, you you can be outnumbered, but if the truth is is on your side, then there's there's no being outnumbered. There's just being right. Right. Now, I'd love you to tell us, because I know just from talking to you, but also from the book, um, one thing I do want to stress about the book is its readability. So you look at the book, but it's divided into four languages. And, and in, depending on how fast you read, I mean, a little over an hour, each yeah. language, you don't have to sit down and read 300 pages. Right. It's right. so readable. So anyway, tell us um, how you got to know Cardinal Pell and why you did feel compelled to write this book and why you included the other people along with yourself. Well, I uh, met Cardinal Pell on my first visit to Australia when he was the, I think at the time he was still the um, Auxiliary Bishop of Melbourne. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had lunch. It was just myself, he and um, a banker who I remember meeting in this bank office. And we were talking about different things, and I was very taken with it. I didn't know, you know, really where he was coming from. But the moment we began to talk, and then, you know, you compare notes and who he knew and who I knew, and I realized I was in good company, and that began, that was in probably the mid or late 1990s, and we just maintained a friendship all the way through. Uh, but, and you immediately feel comfortable with him. I did. He I did. has this enormous talent of putting people no. at ease. You're not threatened by his intellect or no. his or his spirituality. No. Uh, you might be threatened by his humor. <laughs> or his size, you know, I mean, when he stood up. <laughs> he was, yeah. But he was um, very congenial and very accessible. Yeah, exactly. So, but the importance, again, of, of, of putting together these thoughts people came to, and, you know, we've got to we make sure his legacy lives, et cetera. But yes. you also were aiming to have this come out at the time of the Senate. Yes, well, the, the, the book recounts or has essays written within uh, six months of his death. So there are three essays that Cardinal Pell wrote. Uh, One was the essay that was published in the uh, London Spectator on the day of his death. Yes. Uh, And I knew that that was coming out because we had talked about it. He said, I'm waiting for them. I don't know when they're going to publish it. And they were hemming and hawing and editing or whatever it is they were doing with it. But once he died, they published it just like that. And then a speech that he had given at the um, college um, in uh, Australia about the world going crazy, basically. It's a very congenial speech. Was was, that the one where times are out of joint? Times are out of joint, which is a quote from, I think it's Hamlet. Uh, And then what we have in the book is his final homily, which was uh, preached here in Italy uh, uh, in Italian. We had to translate it from Italian into English. Uh, about three days before he died. Yeah. 
so extraordinary. And so there's that, and then George Weigel wrote uh, kind of a memoriam right after Cardinal Pell's death. Uh, Danny Casey, we commissioned to write this because we wanted to have the economic perspective sure. presented, because that, that plays a very important role. I wouldn't be surprised in the future if there's going to be more to be said about all of that, but I can't speculate on that because I don't know. Obviously. And then my uh, my own contribution, which was, as I say, a tribute, and where I compare Pell to Newman, both cardinals, both graduates of Propaganda Fide and the, uh, um, the Missionary College, uh, both went to Oxford, both engaged controversial issues of their day, uh, both had legal troubles, um, and what struck me was that what Pell was concerned with in the last days of his life was a false understanding of the development of the doctrine of the faith. And immediately I remembered Newman's book on the development of Christian dogma, where he writes himself into the Catholic Church precisely on this theme. How does the Church address new issues as they come up in subsequent generations? And what are the safeguards? What is the mark of an authentic development and an aberration or corruption? Exactly. And Newman describes these seven notes that he has that you have to make sure that, that these things are really enhancements or, as he puts it, going from the implicit to the explicit. Sure. And that's not what some of the people who are debating at the Senate are doing, and that's what Pell would have said and did say in those articles. Well, in the beginning, it looked like there was going to be total closure uh, to the media. Yes. But we have been blessed by having, uh, instead of just the head of the press office or the head of communications speaking every day to journalists, because then you'd only have one point of view. Right. And, and we weren't supposed to talk to any of the right. uh, people attending or participating, but every day now in the afternoon they have had uh, other guests who have been yes. at the Senate who were asked basically, however, it's kind of one-sided in the sense that they were asked all, not that they didn't present different perspectives, but they were asked by the Vatican. So And the, were, the journalists and, and can ask were, questions. And there were certain limitations on what they could say. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, and then speeches have been published every day, uh, several of the speeches that have been given um, in the Synod Hall. But, you know, looking at what you've just said, but uh, the Synod, for years, of course, Cardinal Pell was yes. a very strong voice for reform, but he insisted, this is basically what you said, that reform has to be rooted in the truth of the gospel. Right. What else are we going to do as a church? That's what we're. Well, yeah. That's our job description. But even Cardinal Hollerick, the, the rapporteur general of the uh, of the synod, said at one point in a press conference, "This is all documented." Um, he said, "We're not here uh, to teach. We're not here to talk about right. doctrine." And it's like, good grief! Why are you here yeah, if you're not do? if you're not going to look at that? But right. so the the current synod, we mentioned the cardinal being a big yeah. uh, force in reform. The current synod on synodality, which yes. we have 500 definitions of, is supposed to be about some kind of reform in the church. And you wrote, the current open-ended synod process reveals that such an attentiveness to roots and safeguards, Cardinal Pell, roots of faith, um, is not in place, nor are they even under consideration. Right. And we sure have been hearing that. Yeah. What strikes me in kind of hearing these quotes from Cardinal Pell, and when I was on uh, uh, World Over the other night, uh, Raymond Arroyo showed 
compelled talking about these things is how prescient he was. Yes. He, he could have said that all this afternoon. I mean, it, he was so right on. He was so accurate about what would happen. And that's exactly what has happened. Now, of course, the Senate hasn't closed, but we see the trajectory. We see the people who are the key players and the organizers. And then at each table in this Senate, there's an expert appointed, but we don't know who they are. Uh, right. And they, it seems that it all They can't fits. give us the names, is what they've said in yeah. press conferences. It's that, like, amazing. really? You know, why not? Why not? I don't know if you knew this, but the very first opening day of the Senate meetings, um, there's the coverage all yeah. live, you know, streamed, right. et cetera, mm-hmm. Vatican Television. And at the very end, um, the sister who was doing the commentary in English that it was minutes before the meeting ended that the regolamento came down, mm-hmm. 18 pages in Italian only, of the rules and regulations of the Senate, including a big section on, you know, no interaction with the press, etc. Right, right. But at the very end, so Sister remarked that we've gotten, she had, nobody had time to read it, but we've gotten these rules. Um, but it's very interesting, folks, she said. Everybody's seated at a round table. You are not allowed to change seats with anyone at your table. So if you want to see the Pope better and want to change with um, you know, so-and-so on your right, you can't do that. You may only use the tablet that the Synod has provided mm-hmm. for you. Yes. You may not take it out of the room because it will cease to function. And you may not take pictures of, record, et cetera, et cetera, you know, any mm-hmm. documents or, or speeches. I mean, that when I heard those words, I thought, I, I wish I could do replay because I can't believe she just said that. It's it's chilling, and and uh, they had to back off some of that stuff because oh, yeah. they realized that it said everything. We have to control this thing because <laughs> what they want to ensure is that at the end of the day, it comes out very placid. I don't think you know. I think the the key troubling factor of the Senate isn't this or that hot button issue. But whether or not they wish to change the very nature of the church. Yes. And that's the key thing, because if you can do that, you can change every other concrete thing. In fact, one of the bishops said, you were probably at the press conference when he said it, that uh, this Senate is not dealing with the concrete issues. What we're doing is laying down the foundation so that the next Senate, part two. October of 2024. 2024, that that will change the concrete issues, meaning these hot-button doctrinal issues. Well, our time's up today, but absolutely come back next weekend for part two of this riveting conversation with Father Robert Sirico about the late Cardinal Pell and the Synod on Synodality in his book, Pell Contra Mundum. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.